You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk every Monday from 11 to 1230. Right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Live from One East Jackson, Chicago, Illinois, my name is Noah Festenstein, your host of Monday Matter Sports Talk, right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome in to the 148th episode of Monday Matter Sports Talk, all the way from Harper College Radio, right here to Radio DePaul Sports. Once again, my name is Noah Festenstein, taking you on until 1230. Right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and download the Radio DePaul app on your smartphone, Android, or Apple today. Again, that's the Radio DePaul app. Oh boy, oh boy. This is it. The first ever 90-minute solo show I will ever do. The first. There's a first for everything, guys. And this is my first 90-minute solo show, and I cannot be any more excited And uh, I got a lot planned today in terms of sports talk. We're going to start off with some MLB playoffs. Going to talk about this great, great playoff uh, MLB postseason that we've already seen thus far. We missed the show last week due to the whole week hiatus that Radio DePaul Sports went on. But now it's all healthy and good again here today. And it's just so exciting because we have so much planned for this week in sports in terms of show. But today it's starting us off just on the right foot with some MLB postseason, and then after that, I want to talk about uh, Sunday's action in football, then uh, week seven, or I'm sorry, week six per se, uh, in football, and then anticipating a good week seven as well. We're going to talk about that until about like 11.30-ish, and then at 11.30, we got some basketball, either basketball or hockey. I uh, I think it's going to be hockey at 11.30, and then basketball at 11.40, uh, and then after those two, I'm going to get some UFC done at 11.50. And then at 12 o'clock into the overtime hours, I want I got a top 10 list for you guys. It's MMST's top 10. I'm going to do top 10 of my personal favorite MLB postseasons of MLB postseason moments of all time. So at 12 o'clock, I'm going to be playing 10 bits of audio that will represent my favorite um, MLB postseason moments of all time. Uh, that does not include World Series. That will be a different list at a different time. But World Series moments will not be included in this list just postseason. So I'm getting really excited for that. But for now, I will take you guys to break. When I come back, got some baseball right here. Monday Man Sports Talk, Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up, gets it to fall, and one. Oh, Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports, your home for Blue Demon basketball. 
Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Talking to the home plate umpire, Corey Blazer. Here's a fly ball into right. Back at the wall. This game is over. Those were the sounds at Minute Maid Park in Houston last night for ALCS Game 2. And uh, one of the quotations yesterday on behalf of Alex Bregman was saying, there was no possible way that we're going to New York down 2-0. Just not possible. Especially the fact you got a huge Houston crowd, a loud Minute Maid Park, and just a great baseball team that really, really has a lot of momentum, even though being down one nothing in the series just has a lot to hope for. And, I mean, that you can't really ask anything else from a, a team that has won over hundreds uh, over 100 games uh, in the regular season. So uh, that's the case. Uh, remember the time that I said uh, the Dodgers are going to win the World Series? Uh, yeah, that escalated pretty quickly. Uh, that's not going to happen this year, unfortunately, at least for my uh, hot take that I presented in our last show in 147. That was two weeks ago. And obviously a lot can happen within a span of two weeks in the MLB postseason. Of course, uh, the NL Wilds card game was a fantastic Wilds card game uh, between the Nationals and Brewers. That ended up being a 4-3 to win for the Nationals. Uh, basically, the Juan Soto-based hit uh, late in the game was uh, basically the deciding factor in a game that was really intense. Uh, one of the better wild card games I've seen in a very long time. Um, and I would say that very safely. And then you also had the American League wild card game that was in favor of the Tampa Bay Rays against the Oakland Athletics on the road. Um, so those two games I did not predict correctly. <laughs> I had Oakland and Milwaukee winning those two games, and both of them were wrong. And then, of course, the Nationals winning that game go on and force a game five in L.A. And, um... Howie Kendrick, man, let's see. I'm going to grab this audio because I just think that it's probably, um, as I warm up to present my top 10 postseason moments later on in the show, um, this is this was very close. To, I was very close to putting this on my list, but I feel like it's too soon and there's so many postseason moments to, to go through. But uh, I, w- I will play this. Uh, and before I play any more audio, all the audio, I'm going to I'm gonna say it again when I do my top 10 list later. But uh, all audio played on my broadcast today is uh, on behalf of MLB. I do not own any of the audio that I present. It's all on behalf of MLB, MLB MLB.com, and MLB at-bat app. I highly doubt, if you're a baseball fan, download the MLB at-bat app. It's literally, like, my life. 
in terms of getting baseball information. Of course, baseball reference is also a very big key to success in terms of statistics. Um, let's get to the to this Howie Kendrick home run. Um, let's 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 give it a listen. See if I can put, there we go. This is deep to center field. Bellinger's back. It's a grand slam. Howie Kendrick with a 10th inning grand slam to break it open. Wow. Wow, indeed. Yeah, I, I, I would say that out of all the moments, great moments that have happened already in this postseason, this one I think tops it off. Hands down, this Howie Kendrick home run literally silenced the crowd in L.A. People, literally right after the home run was hit, I think half the stadium left. I think the announcers even say something about it here. But wow, Howie Kendrick, how he do it. That's how he do it. And that's not, that caption's not mine, but here. Stunned silence at Chavez Ravine. Yep. The only noise coming out of that Washington dugout. No, no kidding. Literally, man. Congrats to Dave Martinez, former bench coach for the Chicago Cubs, bench coach on the 2016 World Series champion Chicago Cubs, now uh, manager of the Washington Nationals, bringing the Nationals to its first. Uh, NLCS appearance, really the first one since they were uh, in Montreal as the Expos in 1981. Um, my favorite baseball hat, hands down, the Montreal Expos baseball hat. I need to own one. I actually should probably buy one. I probably should, actually. Once it hits 11-11, I'll make that wish. But um, I, I gotta admit, this 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 Howie Kendrick home run definitely tops it off for me in this, in this postseason thus far. And there's been a lot of great moments already. Um, but this one was definitely icing on the cake. Um, even though it went against my prediction, um, I always say I always love to see a great ball, base, baseball game. And also not even that, um, just like Cinderella stories. I mean, this is notably known as what's, I mean, out of all the teams that could win right now between the Yankees, Astros, um, Nationals, um, and of course, the Nationals playing the Cardinals, who could also maybe be the other Cinderella team, but either one of those two teams will win. But uh, the Nationals being the wild card team is that of the Cinderella story, not being in the NLCS uh, really forever in the in the history of being in Washington. Also, now you know as we speak, then being up to nothing. It's eleven eleven. I'm gonna make the wish. I wish for a Montreal Expos hat, please. I need it. Anyways, <laughs> um. So, like, the Washington Nationals already being up to nothing on the Cardinals. They won those two games on the road. On the road. And not only that, embarrassingly enough for St. Louis, both of those games, a no-hitter was brought into the sixth inning. And combined between the two games, game one and two, the Cardinals only had four hits. How is that possible? I mean, I'll, I'll admit. I'll admit. Anibal Sanchez in game one was absolutely lights out. He brought in a no-hitter until the eighth inning. I think it was like out number one into the eighth inning. And then that catch from Ryan Zimmerman, which I, I shared on my Instagram page, um, that catch by Ryan Zimmerman when, man, that that saved that home that that entire thing was awesome. Um, I was just out of the blue like, whoa, he just made that catch, um, which was pretty remarkable and then of course the next batter base hit but that's okay but like I said two straight games 
with a combined hit total of four four hits at home for the Cardinals. That's embarrassing. Um, I would have said the same thing as a Cubs fan if that would have happened, but it's nice to say it to the Cardinals, um, which is nice. There, uh, I was uh, I was in a champ. I'll, I'll explain more about my Champagne weekend trip uh, in a little bit. Uh, but I was in Champagne and I was hanging out with some friends, and one of them was a Cardinals fan, and we definitely shoved it in her face, being that it was very embarrassing for that to happen. Combined four hits. Uh, other notables, obviously the Colonels uh, moving on into the NLDS uh, against the Braves. It took five games in that one as well, and the Cardinals had to win that one on the road. So, uh, And that 10-run first inning for the Cardinals was probably another great highlight. Um, I, wasn't even, I was planning on watching the game at a point, and then I just saw the notification just all of a sudden, 10 runs in the first inning. That uh, I was like baffled by that. I was like, okay, I guess I don't have to watch the game anymore. And I didn't. I didn't watch any bit of that game because I knew what was going to happen with the Cardinals. And then they, of course, ended up winning 13-1. to But how was that possible when they just had that outburst and then in the first two games in the NLDS or NLCS per se, they only get four combined hits? That's just, that's madness to me. That's literally madness. Um, and of course, as predicted for me, my, my American League prediction in terms of the ALCS was correct, and I'm happy about it. Um, it's the Yankees and Astros. Now being that the Yankees and Astros are tied 1-1, it's going to be a fantastic series. I predict it's going to go 7. I think it's going to end in uh, Houston. It's going to be a back-and-forth um, brawl between these two teams. I think this is going to be the highlight of the postseason is this ALCS matchup. And a lot of people are saying that this ALCS matchup could very well be the equivalent to the World Series considering these are the top two teams that are playing right now. Combined with the the teams that are playing in the NLC, in the NLCS, um, the Cardinals and Nationals don't have over 100 wins, where he is the, the Yankees and Astros both have over 100 wins to, to say what they did in the regular season. Um, it's just that notion in the American League Central or in the American League Championship Series saying that this could actually be the World Series matchup. Whoever wins this is going to have an easy time in the World Series. I personally don't think so. I think we're gonna, we're still anticipating a good World Series, but um, I think that's easy said and done considering the Dodgers have already been knocked out. And to my understanding, of course, and my prediction, going back to that, that the Dodgers I thought was going to win the World Series, obviously not going to happen anymore, but now I'm going to predict whoever is going to win this American League Championship Series should win in five games or less in the World Series. Um, my hope is, though, uh, to follow the Cinderella story, that is, of course, the Na- Washington Nationals. I, would, I wouldn't I would mind seeing the Nationals win this World Series. Also, considering Bryce Harper probably sitting at home, uh, shaking his head, like, <laughs> he's missing out, man. I mean, even that, um, this Washington Nationals team hasn't, hasn't, hasn't really taken a step back without Bryce Harper and you've noticed that and uh Bryce Harper as I mean he's had a couple good posts as a notable postseason moments um but uh, they're fine without him they're literally fine without him and the pitching is really the x factor I think uh in this one for the Nationals and then even that they got Steven Strasburg starting tonight um I think what what's the pitching matchup tonight uh it's it's a 637 start uh with the Nationals and Cardinals tonight uh, let's see what the pitching matchup is. Yeah, oh, great pitching matchup. Uh, I would say NL Cy Young contender, Jack Flaherty against Steven Strasburg tonight. 
massive pitching matchup. I think it's going to be another very close, low-scoring game tonight uh, between those two, and uh, pitching is going to be the X factor. But if the Nationals win tonight, I would just say kiss it goodbye, uh, St. Louis. I think this is a vital game for Washington to win. You cannot let St. Louis build momentum. It's just it, it can't be that easy for them. Uh, just don't do it. Washington, please, win this game. Uh, please. All Cubs fans are rooting for you. I, I promise. I guarantee you 80% of all Cubs fans, including you Cub fan listening, better better be wanting to see the Nationals win against the St. Louis Cardinals. And, of course, you better be satisfied with what happened in the first two games in St. Louis, breaking St. Louis fans' hearts. I know you St. Louis Cardinals fans listening. I still love you. I still love you because you're listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk. And you're spending time with me today. I'll still love you for that because uh, that means the world to me. But I will say, your team, I I don't think that they can come back from this, especially what happened in Bush Stadium for the past two games. Um, So my main prediction now, I think by this time next week, we're going to have a World Series matchup. Uh, By this time next week, if necessary, oh, yeah, we we will find out a World Series matchup by this time next week. A Game 7, if necessary, for the ALCS at the latest would be on Sunday. That would be in Houston, which I predicted is going to happen. I think there's going to be a Game 7 on Sunday. Um, and then, of course, if a Game 7 is necessary for the NLCS, that will be played on Saturday. Um, that would be in St. Louis if necessary. But now you got three games in Washington. Whether the Washington Nationals are up 2 nothing, you cannot let the St. Louis Cardinals build momentum by winning the first game on the road. Um, this is a vital game for the Washington Nationals tonight, and I'm sure to be watching it. I'm very excited for this game tonight. I'm also very excited to uh, share with you guys some highlights. Uh, not highlights, just scores and nip bits from Sunday's action. I'm also going to be talking about some fantasy football, NFL football, even some college football. I was at a college football game on Saturday I want to discuss, too. Uh, so we'll get more of that um, and more. I mean, I got over an hour left. I got until 1230 today. So And every single Monday from now on, 11 to 1230, Monday Man of Sports Talk, that of what you're listening to right now with Noah Festenstein. I'll be back in about a couple. Stay tuned. It's Thursday night and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the ShelterPetProject.org. 
You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein. Right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. And welcome back. Monday Madness Sports Talk right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. My name is Noah Festenstein bringing you in into the football segment. This is uh, Kodeko Austin Mahone. Say hi. I will be playing that song this week, Thursday night, 11 to 12. Every Thursday night, 11 to 12, I'm on the Radio DePaul stream with Noah and Knight. Looking forward to those songs. I mean, basically every single song that I play, and I'll keep reminding you guys this, every single song that I play in terms of intro music will be uh, on behalf of Noah and Knight. I've already curated a playlist for Thursday night, and it's going to be a very, very fun Thursday night, as every Thursday night is on Noah and Knight, on radio.depaul.edu, of course, Radio DePaul, Chicago's College Connection. But right now you're listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports. Radio DePaul Sports. In voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festacin, and you guys are listening to Monday Mass Sports Talk, and it is time for some football! Alrighty! Sunday's action had some pretty good games, um, and uh, I think one of them was in, if I'm correct, uh, back in Tottenham Hotspur, where the Tottenham Spurs play of the English Premier League. Um, so that's good. I think it was the Tampa Bay Ra- – why am I saying? I'm still thinking about baseball. <laughs> Tampa Bay Buccaneers and um, I think it was the Carolina Panthers, if I was correct. Um, let's, look, let's look over the scores, shall we? I, I didn't get a full glimpse of the scores, um, but I definitely was paying attention close to my fantasy football. Chris, who I'm playing this week. I'll get to you in a second. I'll get to you in a second. But I want to get this week six action done and done through. So no Bears game, da Bears, no Bears game yesterday. So so sad, uh, but that's okay. I think they needed the rest and uh, following their loss in Tottenham last week, um, which is okay uh, because I, there's so much season left. It's not even halfway through the season. I think a lot of a lot of things can be learned off of these types of losses. And the Bears are three and two to only two losses. They could be fourteen and two for all I care. Um, or 13-3, and three, four, 12 and 4 like they were last season and still made the playoffs. So a lot of time to recover for the Bears. This is a crucial week for the Bears in their week off to kind of reconcile their mistakes. Let me talk about, because we didn't have a chance to talk about the Raiders-Bears game. I want to give a quick glimpse, and let me tell you why the Bears lost in Tottenham last Sunday. Um, first of all, the Raiders and, uh, and Gruden literally left after their Sunday game to go to London. They left literally that Monday, and the Bears left on Thursday. And London, mind you, is like a seven-hour difference. So adjusting to that hour difference is not easy to do in two days and then play a football game. I thought that was a very ridiculous decision on behalf of the Bears, considering they left two days before the game started, or two or three games. Regardless, Gruden made a fantastic decision. I thought that was a very smart decision for the Raiders. I thought, um, and I think that was a difference maker. The The Raiders were prepared. They knew what was coming. And, of course, they knew uh, their their former uh, defensive guy, Khalil Mack. Uh, they, know, they know how, uh, how they, they knew how to react to him. Khalil Mack didn't have much action as much as he at least wanted to last uh, Sunday for the Bears. Um, but, of course, Chase Daniel, 
Um, was, of course, to blame for this game. I mean, it could have been different with Mitchell Trubisky. God knows what would have happened if he was playing. Um, but Chase Daniel throwing a couple interceptions just wasn't having it for the Bears that day. And that interception in the final minutes definitely sealed the deal for the Raiders in winning that one. I thought the Bears had a great, great chance uh, at that that's Sunday. But we're going to talk about Week 6 now so we don't. I don't have to cry on air. Uh, let's get into it. Week 6 action on Thursday night. The Patriots crushed the Giants 35-14. The Panthers and Buccaneers played on Sunday morning in London. The Panthers were able to pull that off 37-26. Christian McCaffrey, man, he's a beast. Christian McCaffrey had 22 carries for 31 yards, but a touchdown. But that touchdown, he was able to juke um, uh, and stutter step past like three defenders in the end zone. And Christian McCaffrey, if you have him on your fantasy team, you're in good shape um, just for any game. Uh, the Redskins and Dolphins had a good game, a 17-16 win for the Redskins in Miami. That was yesterday. The Saints and Jaguars met up in uh, Jacksonville. Uh, the New Orleans Saints pulled that one off 13-6. The Bengals and Ravens faced off in, um, God, I, I brain fart on the Ravens a lot. Um, Baltimore, yes, that is Baltimore. <laughs> Baltimore Ravens beat the 0-6 Cincinnati Bengals. The terrible Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, you thought that the team in Ohio, either the two teams in Ohio, the uh, Cleveland Browns and Cincinnati Bengals, now it's the Cincinnati Bengals' turn to be winless. Um, but now the 4-2 Baltimore Ravens have won that, 13-7. All right, move on to the... Speaking of Browns, they took a loss in Cleveland. That was 32-28. The Cleveland Browns now uh, not meeting expectations, at least to my end. Um, they they're not doing so hot right now. They're two and four, but then the Seattle Seahawks, on the other hand, they're five and one. Russell Wilson went twenty three for thirty three with a two hundred ninety five yards, two touchdowns. So a good game for Russell Wilson there on that one. Um, so let's move on from that. Uh, before I anger our program director Gina Cioli, as she is a Browns fan, I don't want to uh, make her angry and have her pushed me off air here talking about the Browns losing. Um, let's move to Minnesota, where the Minnesota Vikings beat up on the Philadelphia Eagles, who gave me fantastic amount of fantasy points last week. They gave me 30 fantasy points, but now negative one fantasy points the Eagles gave me because of their very bad defense yesterday, giving up 38 points, and they only scored 20. 38-20 for the Vikings. Not good news for the Bears, as the Vikings are not catching up in the standings. They are now 4-2. and two with one more win than the Bears. Uh, the Texans and Chiefs met up in Kansas City, but the Chiefs could not hold on. They were a touchdown behind the Texans as the Texans won that one, 31-24. The Falcons and Cardinals met up in Arizona, and the Cardinals against the Falcons, a really bad matchup, like a, a matchup of two terrible teams, um, was a good matchup. It was a good game. And uh, 34-33, a one-point game in the 30s. That's always got to be a good game. The Arizona Cardinals was able to pull that off in Arizona yesterday. The 49ers and Rams. The Rams. What's going on with the Rams this season? They're supposed to be good. They're kind of crapping the bed in a, little, in, in, in a way. And they're, they're not meeting expectations. But I will say against the undefeated 49ers and Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy G, Rolling Meadows' very own, Mid-Suburban League's very own, which I come from, being a Buffalo Grove alumni. Shout out to you, Bison. Um, 20-7 to was the score in that one between the San Francisco 49ers and the Los Angeles Rams. Um, let's move on into the Titans and Broncos. Broncos 
shut out the Titans 16-0 in Denver. Good game for the Broncos, who now move to 2-4. and four. Still not the great record, but a good game defensively for the Broncos. The Jets and Cowboys. I know uh, Stephen A. Smith was happy about this one. Uh, 24-22, the 1-4 the, uh, Jets. The, the then 0-4 Jets now got their first one of the season, beating the Dallas Cowboys 24-22. Um, so that's that. And then we got the Steelers and Chargers 24-17 uh, with the matchup there in Los Angeles. Steelers were able to pull it off there, and the Steelers now move to 2-4. and four, But now both teams are 2-4 and four after that game. And now tonight for Monday Night Football. We got a good matchup tonight. It is the Green Bay Packers versus the Detroit Lions tonight at 7-15. Aaron Rodgers, can you pull it off? The 4-1 Packers, can they become 4-2 or pull it off to be 5-1? We'll see you tonight. Tonight at Lambeau, 7-15, Monday Night Football. Got to get excited for that one. I know I won't be watching it. I definitely will be watching ALCS game through or A- NLCS per se. But that is your matchup for Monday Night Football tonight between the Green Bay Packers and Detroit Lions. And then that. And then next week, looking forward to the Bears game. The Bears will be at home at 325 at Soldier Field against the Saints. The Saints are going to what record are the Saints? I think they also had a bye week this week. Yeah, the Saints had a bye week this week. Um, so they they were they're coming off a win against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Saints are four and one, but they are um, Drew Breesless, if you may say. Uh, so we'll look forward to that one. Uh, but exciting stuff there. It's eleven thirty. We just perfect timing. And I want to remind you, since it is eleven thirty, you are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports. This voice of here to Paul Blue Demons every single Monday from 11 to 1230. Radio to PaulSports.com or download the Radio to Paul app on your smartphone, Android, iOS today. It's so worth it. You can listen to me on Radio to Paul Sports every single Monday, 11 to 1230. And also switching over to the Radio to Paul stream, which uh, they hold both streams on the Radio to Paul app. You can go to the Radio to Paul stream every Thursday night. You can also hear me uh, on Thursday night, 11 to 12 midnight with Noah at night. Uh, before I go into any more segments, I believe, um, looking at my format today, I think it's basketball. Looking, previewing basketball. I didn't really prepare for basketball much, but I got some things to say in terms of such. Uh, let's just make sure. It, no, 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 it's hockey and then basketball. So we're going to go into hockey next and then basketball. That's fair. That is fair. We're going to warm up hockey here um, because the hockey season has already started. But before that, I want to say on Saturday, I saw a really good football game, college football game, between Illinois and Michigan. Michigan being the 14th ranked in the nation prior to, and then um, uh, they 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 took a 28 nothing lead into the second half. No surprise there. I was actually literally about to leave because I was starving and it was kind of cold out too. Uh, but then a good thing I didn't make that decision because all of a sudden the Illinois Illini fighting Illini was was coming back in that game. And uh, it once at one point became 28-25. And then, of course, uh, Lovey Smith and the Illinois Illini cannot pull it off. They, they, they let up a couple fumbles um, there. And, uh, yeah, that was game. But at least it was intense. You don't expect that between Illini and Michigan Wolverines. 
uh, because he thought that the Michigan Wolverines were going to beat him up. But uh, I would say after this game, the Wolverines will drop in the national rankings because of it. So Illinois doing a good job there. However, I think next week, Illinois is facing off against Wisconsin, number six ranked Wisconsin, which is going to be a very tough one for them. Um, but what's funny is shout out to former co-host of Monday Night Sports Talk, Cesar Sanchez. He betted on um, the spread. The spread at the beginning of the game was 23, and he beat the spread by, what was it? They lost by 17 points, a touchdown basically away from losing the spread. Uh, <laughs> the Michigan Wolverines were literally in the red zone in, in like the final two minutes of the game, uh, literally uh, threatening to score a touchdown, threatening to kill Cesar Sanchez's uh, <laughs> um, spread. But thank goodness they just need, and then literally Caesar and I just started celebrating together because he won the bet. He won a lot of money too um, with it, which is awesome for him. So congratulations former MST coach, um, co-host Caesar Sanchez there for that one. That was hilarious. All right, folks, we're going to take it, guys, to a break. When I come back, I got basketball, I got hockey, I got everything coming up, even UFC. And then 12 to 12.30, I got a top 10 list to share with you guys. I got so much. Got le- just less than an hour left. Cannot be any more excited right here. RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. I'll take you guys to a couple minute break. Be back in about a couple, like I said. Fun. I didn't think I like kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. But I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. One in three adults in America have prediabetes, but most don't know it. To let people know it can be reversed before it becomes type 2 diabetes, professional basketball player Julius Randle is doing everything in reverse. I'm only dunking with reverse windmills. I drove the whole way to practice in reverse. I don't recommend it. This move's called the reverse shuffle. I do recommend it. And it took me months to learn how to speak in reverse, like this. Here's 10 almost for diabetes type 2 with living Ben has my mind. In other words, my mom has been living with type 2 diabetes for almost 10 years. So together, we want to say to the 84 million Americans at risk, Exercise and healthy eating can help reverse prediabetes. Start by taking a simple one-minute risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. <laughs> Betty can't say that in reverse. Hey, it's Dibs, your favorite demon in a blue suit. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demon. Campbell to Stonewall. Stonewall driving to the rim, goes up. Gets it to fall and one. Oh, Max Drews brings down the house. Radio DePaul Sports. You're home for Blue Demon basketball. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein. Right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. And welcome back 
Monday Man Sports Talk, RadioDePaulSports.com, and the Radio the Radio DePaul app. On until 12.30 today, first 90-minute show. I can't be any more excited and proud of this radio program that has come from 30 minutes, 45 minutes. It was three hours at a point, if you guys did not know. Uh, fun facts about my Monday Mass Sports Talk. When we had Cesar Sanchez, James Jefferson, and even back in the day when we had Blaze Mesa on the show, it, was, it used to be a two-and-a-half-hour, three-hour show. Uh, that was a panel discussion, but I've never done a solo show that's nine, 90 minutes, and today... That is the case, so I cannot be any more excited about that. Once again, you are listening to Monday Man at Sports Talk with your host, Noah Festenstein, on until 12.30, right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. We've reached the uh, hockey segment. We are now in season for the National Hockey League, even the American Hockey League, which I'm a big fan of as well, but I'm going to talk about NHL because you guys are more familiar with such. So I'm going to start it off by just kind of rolling through the standings, talking about what's happened so far and teams that have already proven domination this this, this season. Um, so let's start off um, in the Eastern Conference. I'm going to finish off with the Blackhawks here. Um, I'm going to do this quickly because I also want to talk about basketball before I have to do UFC at 1150. So let's do it. Atlantic Division, let's look at the top four teams. Five games played with the top teams, ex- excluding the Mont- uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, who have already played six games. Uh, the Sabres, the the Buffalo Sabres are 4-0-1. They're up ahead with 9 points. Bruins have 8 points. Maple Leafs have 7. And the Red Wings have 6 alongside with the Canadians. Um, so already close in the Atlantic Division. Metropolitan Division, the Carolina Hurricanes dominating early on. They have 6 games played. 5-1 and one is their record. Right in front of the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are 4-2 with 8 points, as well as the Washington Capitals with 8 points, but they're 3-1-2. And And the Philadelphia Flyers, whom which the Chicago Blackhawks faced off in Prague to start off the Prague-Czech Republic um, to start off the NHL season. The Philadelphia Flyers won that game, uh, and they are 2-0-1. They got 5 points. They've only played 3 games this far, which is interesting, uh, compared to the rest who have on average played 5 games or 6 games. Let's look at the Western Conference, the Central Division. Actually, let's look at the Pacific Division. Like I said, I want to talk about Blackhawks last. Uh, Pacific Division, the uh, Edmonton Oilers have won five games out of the five games they played. They're the only undefeated team. Actually, no. I digress. It's the Avalanche, who are in the Central Division, who are also undefeated. I'll get that in a second. Edmonton Oilers up in front of the um, Anaheim Ducks. Anaheim Ducks have four wins to one loss. Eight points there, as long along with the uh, Las Vegas Golden Knights, who are off to a pretty good start. Four and two is their record. They're proven domination. Eight points. Uh, Calgary Flames, who made the playoffs last year, already six games in. They're two, three, and one with uh, five points. Three behind the third place Golden Knights, and I think from that place on to the bottom, Calgary, Vancouver, Los Angeles, San Jose, whom which the Chicago Blackhawks lost to, unfortunately. And the Phoenix Coyotes, Arizona Coyotes, to be exact, used to be Phoenix. Um, they're one and two. So now looking at the Central Division, uh, the uh, like I said, the Colorado Avalanche are four and zero. The Winnipeg Jets right behind them with eight points. Well, they have the same amount of points, but they're four three and zero. The Winnipeg Jets are the only team in the NHL to have played seven games, and the Blackhawks just played the Jets in their past game, I think a couple nights ago, and they lost in overtime to the Winnipeg Jets, which is not good. Um, but that was basically the Blackhawks' only point that they have thus far. Um, they Blackhawks only have one point compared to other teams who have like 10 points, which is not good. But then right behind the Jets are the Blues, the um, defending Stanley Cup champions. 
uh, three, one, and one is their record. They got seven points. The National Predators are right behind them with six points with a three, two, and oh record. And of course, Dallas Stars, Chicago Blackhawks, and Minnesota Wild stand behind them. Let's talk about the Blackhawks. Um, be right before I get into some basketball here. Um, so the Chicago Blackhawks slow start. Um, uh, I, I'm, I'm impressed with already the play of Andrew Shaw. His net front presence is, I think, one of the best in the league. Uh, they call him the mutt for a good reason. He's aggressive. He's got good physical play. He's a right winger that can really act as a, like, if you say in soccer terms, a midfielder. Basically can play on both sides of the ice defensively and offensively. He's a physical player. He can score goals. I think Andrew Shaw is, is the full package, and I'm so happy he's back. I will talk about him all the time because he's my favorite player. Um, Patrick Kane, right wing. Um, he's off to a pretty good start, too. Um, and I, I said it before the season. I mean, you guys need, you need your top guys to perform to set this. You got Yeah, they, they need to be tone setters. I think that the thing that's happening with the Blackhawks right now, yeah, Corey Crawford's doing pretty okay. And I want to see what Laner's got, um, the backup goaltender for the Blackhawks. Um, I want to see how the uh, the Blackhawks frontman do, and the, the leaders on this team, I've already mentioned them, Jonathan Taze, Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, Brent Seabrook, Andrew Shaw that I've mentioned. Uh, you need those guys to perform, set the tone so that your younger guys like Alex Nylander, um, of course Alex Brinkett, who's already got a couple years under his belt, he's already followed uh, the patterns. Of course, Patrick Kane, I think he's the Patrick Kane-esque type player Alex Brinkett is, who did just sign a three-year contract extension um, which is very, very good for the Chicago Blackhawks because they need a guy like that to be playing for them for a while. Um, but it's just about getting these young guys. You know, the, the tone needs to be set for these young guys that want to perform, especially around these guys who have been championship caliber for before, and they still can be championship caliber. You just haven't seen it thus far in the season. I mean, there's so many games left um, with the Chicago Blackhawks, including the next game, which they have tonight. They are facing against the Edmonton Oilers at the United Center. Let's see. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're playing at the United Center. Let's see how much the tickets are. I usually, I don't know how, I don't know um, what uh, ticket purchaser you you use, you listener listening. Uh, I use Vivid Seats. I think Vivid Seats is the best one. Um, you can get a lot of, I use coupons and stuff. Jupons, if you may say, if you know me very well. Um, but, Let's see how much tickets are tonight. From fourteen bucks, you can go into the United Center for fourteen dollars tonight. If you want to, that's only if you want to stand. If you want to sit, upper level three thirty one. It's about thirty seven bucks. Not bad, not bad at all. I just like looking at the tickets because uh, I like pretending that I'm gonna go to a game. But I'm not gonna go to the game tonight. I'm gonna, I guess, I want to watch the uh, Washington, uh, the Nationals and uh, Cardinals play in Washington tonight for NLCS Game Three. That's going to be interesting. Um, so let's get into some basketball. It's 11.43, three minutes past my expected time, but that's okay. I'm going to only talk about basketball briefly. Um, nothing too much, but we'll get into it after this brief break. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back to The Dog Show. Up next, we have Satchmo. Satchmo is a member of the Shelter Pet Group. That's right, a group known especially for their couch-snuggling, ball-chasing, face-licking, and, of course, companionship. Now, let's see him in action. Look how he makes eye contact with his person. That's actually known as the treat stare. 
How intuitive, and now he appears to be excitedly turning in circles. Ah, the happy dance will come in with this group. But really, the best way to know an amazing shelter pet like Satchmo is to meet one. Visit theshelterpetproject.org today. Adopt. Brought to you by Maddie's Fund, the Humane Society of the United States, and the Ad Council. When I was little, I didn't talk for a long time. I was sensitive to lights and sounds, so I built secret hiding places where they couldn't get in. Sometimes, I do the same things over and over, until one day, I found out I had autism. My family got me help. Slowly, I learned how to live with it better. Early intervention can make a lifetime of difference. Learn the signs at AutismSpeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Mextrus curling right side, drills the jumper. See what Struis does. It looks like he wants to shoot. I was kind of hoping he would pull up there and one. Floater was wet. Struis is loose. Curl three. three. Bang. You know it. My goodness. Struis on the other end gets it to fall and one. Now up top, he's got a double team. Now it's just Figueroa on him. Nice oh, move. Quick move. Wow. Out of oh, control. my goodness. Wow, he was out of control. Max he finished off last. That is a new career high for Max Struess. He had 34 earlier this year. He's got 35 now. You're listening to Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. Welcome back. Monday Man of Sports Talk. Right here, Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Noah Festenstein. This is Daniel Chase with somebody else bringing me into this basketball segment. I'll be played, of course, on Noah at night. Thursday night on the Radio DePaul stream from 11 to 12 midnight. That's exciting, right? Let's do it right now with some basketball. So uh, next week, uh, I will be um, taking part, if you may say, in my first ever basketball fantasy draft. And uh, thank you to uh, Radio DePaul Sports, who have created a group for such. So I'm up against some good competitors, because I know, listening by listening to other shows, that other great shows, fantastic shows here at Radio DePaul Sports that are uh, beyond worth listening to, um, that know basketball more than me times 10. So let's just see. I'm in a I'm in some good I'm in I'm in a good group. I'm gonna talk more about it late uh next week. I'm gonna have a basketball segment next week to talk about it. I might need some advice from other basketball people uh, in order to have a successful draft. But I know some good players. Um I I wanna talk about my favorite duo in the NBA. I talked about it over the summer when I was doing uh MMST at radio.spall.edu. Um that I have some favorite duos considering that we are following the season up with an offseason that might arguably be the best offseason that we've seen in a very long time. Because now we see players that are playing together that we never thought would, again at least. I mean, of course, Russell Westbrook, James Harden are playing back together. Um, my, uh, and then you got Kevin Durant uh, and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. I I don't think that's going to work well in, in any. I think Kyrie Irving's out for the first two weeks. So we're going to see what Kevin Durant can do there while he's gone. Um, and then you got, of course, LeBron James, Anthony Davis in L.A. But on the other side is my other favorite duo, which is, of course, Ky- Kawhi Leonard. And um, I'm PG, uh, you know, Paul George. He's one of my favorite players. Um, of course, Kawhi Leonard coming off of his championship season that he had in Toronto. I think he's going to bring that vibe out to L.A. Clippers. If I'm going to make a preseason prediction here, I think the Clippers are going to be first uh, in the East. and I'm sorry, in the West. Uh, and then in the East, uh, I, I, I don't know. I think Boston is very, very promising. 
Um, even though you got some great doers out duos out in the in the East. So we'll see. I think the West is gonna be a little bit more competitive, but we'll see. I think that's my my main prediction. Um for that, I think preseason NBA. Uh, I've been very pleased with how uh, Zion's been playing uh, for um, New Orleans. I think that's something to look out for in this NBA season is what Zion Williamson's going to do for the New Orleans Pelicans. Um, and also, uh, what's going to happen with the Golden State Warriors? Uh, they made a big pickup this offseason. So, let's see. Let's see what happens uh, with this NBA season. I think there's a lot of things to say, even though... I think this is the type of NBA season where, like, I'm not really focused on who's going to win, but who's going to perform. Who's going to perform best with each other? And that also could be the X factor to who, what team performs best. You know, you could also say that if Zion Williamson is the best player uh, in the East and the way he plays is contagious with his entire team, the New Orleans Pelicans could perform very well this season. Or in the West, of course, the LA Clippers. I think, like I said, they're going to perform because of that dynamic duo that they have. And then maybe a little bit, their bench is a little questionable, not going to lie. But like I said, I say this for all sports. When you have two great players or uh, a combined amount of players that can play well, that can become contagious. So let's see how that can perform in the long run. Um, in the last minute of basketball discussion, um, let's talk some Bulls, some good Chicago Bulls. Are they going to make the playoffs? I, I don't know. I, I want to ask a lot of Bulls fans, or at least non-Bulls fans for that matter, are the Bulls, like, making the playoffs? I was talking to former MMST uh, co-host Cesar Sanchez over the weekend in, uh, in Urbana-Champaign when I was with him. I was asking him about the Chicago Bulls. He brought up a good point saying that the Bulls, and I'm going to say it on the show because I liked it a lot, that the Bulls have a great chance of making the playoffs because they've already played together for a year, and they, they're they in an Eastern Conference that's not as competitive as the West. If the Bulls are in the West, I'd say no. Not a chance. But now that the Bulls in the East, they have a chance. Um, and you got a, a coach where now he's in his first full season. Um, Lori Markkinen, Zach Levine, uh, Carter Jr., um, and, of course, a couple new pickups for the Bulls of, over the draft. Um, Colby White, I'm looking forward to seeing how he plays. Um, so I'm just very interested in this Bulls season. I'm very invested in what they can do. Um, and I'm very invested in the next couple of segments that I have here on Money Mass Sports Talk today. There's 40 minutes left. I would just say there's not just 10 minutes left back in the, in the good old one hour, 60 minute show days, but I got 40 minutes left and I can't be any more excited. I got UFC to discuss. There's a fight night on Saturday. I want to get through maybe a couple audio bits from that and more right here on Radio DePaul Sports. Student voice of your DePaul Blue Newman's 30 seconds. We'll be this break. I'll be right back with some UFC. Stay tuned. It's Thursday night. 60 seconds. Grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. 
You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk. Every Monday from 11 to 1230. Right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Welcome back. Monday Madness Sports Talk. Right here at RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. On until 1230. Your, uh, your host Noah Festenstein. Is way up by Bishu to be sh- uh, played on Noah and Night Thursday night on the Radio DePaul stream, eleven to new, uh, to eleven to midnight. Alrighty, UFC time. We saw a fight night in Tampa, Florida, on Saturday night. Uh, I was at a party Saturday night watching the fight, the main event on my phone because. Um, if you listen to the previous episode, I had uh, my good friend Carlos Lick with Terminator Rodriguez on to help me talk through our personal top 10 lists of our favorite current UFC fighters. And my number four on that list was that of Michelle Watterson, um, who who fought on Saturday night against the former st- women's strawweight champion, Joanna Jajurczyk. I pronounced that correctly. Um, that's extremely hard to pronounce. It's J E D R Z E J Z C Z Y K. It's hard. It's hard to pronounce. But um, that fight went all five rounds, and uh, Joanna was able to pull off the victory based on just octagon control. I was watching the fight, and then I was also parting at the same time. So parting at the same time, a little bit inebriated, also watching this fight. I was very, very happy to see that Michelle Watterson had some good hopes after the fight. As to why I'm a very big fan of Michelle Watterson is because, yes, as emotional as she was after the fight, she was saying that, I want, uh, I want to take this, I want to think about my mistakes. And she said even after the, the, the day after, she posted on her Instagram um, saying that she uh, spent the day with her family the, the, the day after the fight, and she needed a lot of time to mentally... Um, get back to where she needs to be uh, in terms of, you know, thinking about, I mean, yes, of course, I, I think uh, it, it's the thoughts are haunting her. The, the fact that, and I had this when I was a wrestler, when I wrestled back in high school, seven years and even middle school, when I lost a big match, um, I thought back and sometimes I was emotional about it because I wanted to think back to what I did wrong. And Michelle Watterson did the same thing. Uh, she took uh, 226 strikes and out of those 226 strikes 180 of them were significant strikes which is a 60 percent difference which is a good difference for Joanna. and i think based on her win it was a unanimous 49 46 judge uh decision um and i i think that with that decision was definitely based off of Joanna's octagon control she was able to put michelle watson up against the fence there was times where michelle watterson also uh fought back very well and she was able to uh um, put up a good fight against her and throw in some good punches. And I think out of the time she did that, um, she had to receive one back, which was unfortunate um, for Michelle Watterson. And uh, I-, I just give her a round of applause. And I'm really looking forward to uh, what Michelle Watterson has next. Even Joanna. Uh, Joanna has some... I- I'm-, I'm a fan of her as well. And I think she's going to have a great, great um, next fight. I think Dana White's got to give her a good fight coming up next in strawweight. Um, also, two great fighters with great respect for each other after the fight. Joanna was definitely um, happy with the way Michelle Watson was able to put up a fight that entire five rounds. 25 minutes total was that. All right, let's look at the other fights that was on Saturday night. Um, Cub Swanson was fighting a Gracie. 
A Gracie, let me tell you, it was Karan Gracie who prior to the fight was 5-0 in his professional career fighting against featherweights uh, veteran Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson was dominating the entire fight, I think, from round one to round three. He was in total domination, even though the strike count was kind of almost similar. It was 143 to 109 in favor of Cub Swanson, and then significant strike count was 135 to 86 uh, in favor of Swanson as well. Cub Swanson, emotional after his fight, uh, was saying that this was most important fight win of his career. Um, and uh, with that being said, I'm going to play that audio right now. Take a listen to what Cub Swanson had to say after his fight. I don't know what's not playing. What's what's going on there? This this sport is. Yeah, he's crying. He took time in his interview to cry because of this emotional moment. He's trying to get his words together. And he had to walk off camera, grab a towel, wipe off his tears. Because this is not a fighter who lost. It's a fighter who won. See so what he has to say. All right. Uh, this sport is tough and uh, teaches you a lot of lessons. And <coughs> I just needed this win. Uh, that was Cub Swanson um, saying how much he needed the, that win. Um, he still plans the fight. He plans to go forward, and I'm proud for this guy. He really pulled it off against the Gracies. And also, fun fact, um, Cub Swanson was trying to do um, – he was trying to train for karate in California prior to this fight. But if you don't know the Gracie family, they train in California. So a lot of California gyms, I think unfairly in my opinion – uh, rejected Cub Swanson from training at their facilities because of the Gracie family, um, like the connection between the Gracie family and their gyms in California. Who and even that Cub Swanson still won the match and made and just made a statement with that. Um, I thought that was pretty remarkable, and I, I think it's a little unfair what California did. However, Cub Swanson still found the angle to to learn what he needed to do to beat Cron Gracie and win the fight. My personal favorite from Saturday night, I shared it on my Instagram, uh, it was this uh, knockout from Nico Price. Nico Price, I talked about him over the summer. He had a fight previously against Geoff Neal. It was a, a fight of the night in a UFC event. Nico Price um, came off that and did this. Take a listen. Uh, here, I mean, I'm, I'm playing this off my Instagram, so it's a little tough, but yeah, here it is. Never know how he's going to do it, man. Always does something out of the order. So Nico Price is in a position. He was on his back after a takedown. And against James Vick, who's had himself a couple of great, great moments in the UFC um, and is now on a losing streak. James Vick um, against Nico Price. Um, if I'm correct, I don't know if James Vick is on a losing streak, but he hasn't had some good fights of late, including this one, who he took him down. Nico Price, he took him down. And on Nico, Nico Price, on his back. Threw in the heel to the face. Heel to the face. And uh, <laughs> uh, that was it. James Vick literally after that uh, heel to the face uh, just got knocked out. And he was laying on Nico Price 
uh, as he was taking him down, he was just literally knocked out on top of Nico Price. And, of course, the referee stopped, uh, put, a, put a stop to that fight right as that happened, uh, which is good. So that was my personal highlight from Saturday night for UFC. Alrighty, ne- this upcoming week, we got a UFC event. It's on Friday, actually. UFC and ESPN 6. I haven't seen a Friday uh, fight night in a very long time, but it's UFC and ESPN, the sixth event on ESPN. Um, it is at the TD Garden in Boston. Um, that is the light heavyweight main event, Dominic Reyes versus Chris Weidman. I, I'm a fan of Chris Weidman. I'm hoping he, he can win this fight, but it's a great fight against Dominic, Dominic Reyes, who is 11-0 in professional fighting. Great fight there. And then, of course, um, we got the featherweight co-main event. It's a three-round fight now instead of five, because guess what happened a couple fight nights ago? It was between Yair Rodriguez and Jeremy Stevens. We're going to run it back. They're going to run it back. Yair Rodriguez um, got accidentally poked in the eye, and that fight could not continue. Um, so they're doing it again, but it's going to be a three round fight instead of a five round fight. So that's on Friday night. We're going to see what happens with that. That was a main event fight. So you got two main event fights, if you may say on, uh, on Friday, I'll definitely be watching that. Uh, very exciting there. And then of course the heavyweight former NFL linebacker, Greg Hardy is to face Ben Sosoli, uh, and that Greg Hardy, he's coming off of two great wins. Greg Hardy, that guy is scary. If you look at this guy's face, look up Greg Hardy on Google. Look at his face. This guy is insane, man. This guy is absolutely insane. But do you want to know what's more insane? We got 30 more minutes left on the program. Monday Mad Sports Talk. It's been so much fun so far. We're ready to have 30 more minutes of fun because I got a top 10 list coming to you. We're going to go right back to baseball. We talked about baseball already, about what's going on in this postseason, but I want to talk about what's ever happened in forever of the baseball world in terms of my personal top 10 best postseason moments. Coming up next right here on Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Started off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly, it's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. You're not wired to have a response to this sound. You're neutral to it. You hear it every time you finish a meal and never feel anything. But if we were able to associate this sound with a new stimulus, save the food, we've achieved pulling a natural response from you. Save the food. Why are we doing this, you may ask. Save the food. Because this ad is trying to change your after-meal behavior through brainwashing. Because food waste costs the average family $1,500 a year. Save the food. Cha-ching. And $1,500 extra bucks is like getting a pay raise. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Which could pay for your child's braces. Save the food. Cha-ching. You're promoted. Check out my braces. 
So when you hear this sound, rethink your behaviour. Cook it, store it, share it. Just don't waste it. For tips and recipes, visit savethefood.com. Brought to you by NRDC and the Ad Council. You are listening to Monday Madness Sports Talk. Every Monday from 11 to 1230. Right here on RadioDePaulSports.com and the Radio DePaul app. Yeah, that's right. Starting off the list right here with Jose Bautista's three-run shot in ALDS Game 5 2015 and the infamous bat flip that I think set uh, an era of bat flips, if you may say. I mean, yes, bat flips still existed before this happened, but um, thank you to MLB.TV. And also, um, I want to just recap back to UFC. Thank you to UFC for the audio that I played um, in my past segment. For, For this segment, all... Audio is presented by MLB. I do not own any of it, um, so thank you, MLB, for that. But, yes, I think that Jose Bautista home run hit in 2015 as I start off my list at number 10 for top 10 postseason moments. Jose Bautista starts it off. Um, I, I think that this really, really sparked a moment in baseball history in terms of that bat flip and also just the amount of noise projected in that Rogers Center um, there. It's just deafening. I remember watching that game, and there was a huge fiasco going on uh, during it when I believe, I forgot who got hit specifically, but um, a player got almost hit by a a pitch. Um, Nope, 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 that's my next one. Don't worry, I'll play in a a second. Um, But it it was just a very controversial game that was uh, in Toronto in 2015, ALDS Game 5, and of course in 2016, there was a rematch to that, and of course Blue Jays still prevailed in 2016, of course the year the Chicago Cubs won the World Series, which of course I have um, three from that postseason for the Cubs. My, of course, my bias self, that is the case. Um, but here's my number nine. This is from 1951. This is probably the best, in my opinion, one of the best calls in all of baseball history. Take a listen. So that was 1951 uh, American League Championship Series where um, the ninth inning of that seven-game series, uh, that was against their then-rival against the Brooklyn Dodgers at the time. That was Bobby Thompson hitting that walk-off home run. Uh, Fans stormed the field. Um, It was a madhouse in that moment. Um, So, wow. Some fantastic moment there. Uh, I, you know, those are the types of moments you know, wish you're alive. Uh, I think that was like the first one of the first moments that there was a walk off home run to send a team to the World Series. That moment right there um, started that type of trend off, and I think it was beyond worth putting onto my top ten. I think that's the only thing on my top ten list that was prior to 2005, and really my only 20th. I think that's my favorite 20th century uh, moment. 
in postseason history was that Bobby Thompson home run for the San Francisco Giants against the Brooklyn Dodgers. Um, all right. Um, but uh, I will have to, unfortunately, um, rip on the Giants uh, in my next couple of uh, items on this list here as I load. I, I'm playing all this uh, stuff through YouTube, so I have to pause, kind of pause, so I have to make sure all the ads don't play on the show, but we're good so far. Um, this one is from 2016 NLDS Game 4. This is the Cubs uh, scoring four runs in the ninth inning. There are, yeah, they're down 5-2, ninth inning. Chris Bryant against uh, Law to start it off. I'm going to commentate as we uh, listen through the audio here. Um, this is Chris Bryant hitting a, a leadoff single on a 2-1 count. He was the first runner on, and then a walk followed that. And then, of course, Ben Zobris makes a plate appearance with zero outs. As Bruce Pochi made a pitching change. Here's Ben Zobris. So that put runners on second and third with no outs in the inning. And then, of course, with still no outs in the inning, the fouling batter, Wilson Contreras. Here it is. So then another out was recorded as Jason Hayward sacrifice bunted. Um, uh, an unsuccessful sacrifice bunt, but an error-throwing error to first base sent Jason Hayward to second. So basically did what he wanted to do. Also, Jason Hayward's a better runner than, I would say, Wilson Contreras. So it actually worked out for the better for the Cubs to have Jason Hayward on second base. Here's Javier Baez. So that's it. And the Cubs, of course, went on to win the game via an Aroldis Chapman shutout, one, two, three, ninth inning to send the Cubs to the NLCS, breaking the even uh, year stretch of the Giants winning the World Series. And of course, the Cubs move on to win the World Series. But the next bit of audio is exactly from the same series. Um, here it is. Let me show you it. I'm going to have to copy the YouTube link that I posted on this. And then post it into the search bar and hope that there is no ad to be played. Yes, there is. I got five seconds. But um, needless to say, this is one of my favorite postseason moments ever, considering I was at this game when it happened. Uh, I was standing um, right kind of near behind home plate, and I saw that. So this is game one on the NLDS of the same series. If this didn't happen, I don't think the Cubs would have won the series, to be quite honest. Here it is. So let me tell you, this is not the only thing on this list that I've been at a game when I, I was also present at another game that's on this list. But let me tell you how loud Wrigley Field was after this home run. I remember just the entire, I was inside the building standing and then it was literally felt like an earthquake. No joke. I've never been in an earthquake. I don't know what it feels like, but I'm sure it feels like shaking. And that's exactly what it felt like. Um, 
during that when it was happening. Uh, my favorite postseason moment in front of the Cubs comeback because I don't think if this happens, um, I don't think if 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 this happened, the Cubs would have won the series because they're setting the tone in Game One, and of course they won Game Two, and then um, Game Five would have been prevalent, um, if any, um, if the Cubs, of course, didn't make that comeback. But um, that that really capped it off. That really did for me, at least personally. I was that was my first ever postseason game I ever attended. And I've only attended two, so basically my, the first two I attended. Um, but that was insane. I was with my dad at the time. Him and I were celebrating. It was just one of the best Cubs moments I've had. But I got one more on this list. This is not this Cubs moment on this list. But um, this is probably the uh, most clutch moment from an individual standpoint that I think ever happened in a postseason. Cue Raul Abanez. You saw the power numbers. He's got 19 home runs. Last week of the season, he hit a two-run shot to tie a game, which the Yankees won in extra innings. And that ball is driven to right, and we are tied. That happened in the ninth inning. Bottom nine, two-one, one out. On a 1-0 count, Raul Obanez gets a fastball. He crushes it to right, and it's 2-2. His facial express in rounding the bases is, like, priceless. Like, he's got, like, a very straight face, and he comes to the dugout absolutely ecstatic into the arms of Alex Rodriguez. But then, in the 12th inning, he comes up on the first pitch and does this. ALDS Game 3 against the Baltimore Orioles. Raul Banyas, man. As clutch as it gets. Literally as clutch as it gets. I always admire those types of moments. That was the Yankees beating the Baltimore Orioles in that one, Game 3, an essential Game 3 for them to win. But yet, of course, in 2011, we already know what happened. Um... You know, the St. Louis Cardinals did a pretty good job, I would say. Uh, <laughs> right. But yeah, I, I said this before I, I started. Um, was individual moments like that, those clutch moments that, you know, you don't expect like to happen. Like, comes up to bat, two straight swings, two straight pitches, you hit home run in, in a postseason game to win the game, to tie it and to win it. That's unheard of. Like, that, that, that's got to be on my list. All right, I got number five to one coming up. In just a bit, I'm going to take you guys to a break beforehand. This is Noah Festenstein, host of Monday Madness Sports Talk on until 1230. Stay tuned. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's a kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. 
Welcome back. This is Monday Man of Sports Talk. Noah Festenstein with you right here on RadioDePaulSports.com. And, of course, the Radio DePaul app. Download today on your iOS or Android device. It's essential, especially if you want to listen to me. I'm on RadioDePaulSports.com, of course, every Monday from 11 to 1230 and every Thursday night on the Radio DePaul stream with Noah at night from 11 to midnight every Thursday night with some EDM music and some good talk. Got a good playlist coming up for this week. I already curated it, and I'm ecstatic to share it with you guys on Thursday night. But I'm also ecstatic to share with you guys my top five best postseason moments. This is all excluding World Series. When we hit the World Series, we're going to do a top ten World Series. I promise you. Um, but don't be misled because these are these postseason moments are absolutely insane, including my number five um, with Derek Jeter at shortstop, at shortstop in the 2001 ALDS. I actually said prior to 2005 when I was showing the Giants winning the final. This is actually my other one that's prior to 2005 in the 2001 ALDS. This is Derek Jeter making the I think the, maybe the best. Um, I just accidentally stopped my recording. Hold on, before I go any further, it's got a. I'm gonna, actually, you know what? Before I get this, I'm gonna get get you guys to a 30 second break, um, and I'm gonna have to fix my recording. I'll be right back in about 30 seconds. Stay tuned. Listen, as a hiring manager, I've got to tell you, the best job candidate isn't always the typical candidate. Sometimes they're a grad of life. Meet the grads of life. Young adults of unique determination and experience, an ideal fit for your company in an entry-level position, internship, or mentorship. They might not have every qualification you typically look for, but they're exactly who your company needs. Sometimes the best candidates aren't the ones you're used to. Go to gradsoflife.org to learn how to find, cultivate, and train this great pool of untapped talent. Brought to you by the Ad Council and gradsoflife.org. It's Thursday night, and you're grabbing drinks with some friends. Start it off with a pitcher for the table, which quickly becomes two. There's pool. And there's the photo booth. All right, everybody squeeze in. Say cheese. Followed naturally by an order of wings. And another. Can we get some extra ranch sauce? Then there's the ceremonial nightcap. So what are we doing this weekend? And lastly... It's back to the car, which, if you're buzzed... ...could be the most expensive night of your life. Getting pulled over for buzz driving could cost you around $10,000 in fines, legal fees, and increased insurance rates. Nothing kills a buzz like getting pulled over for buzz driving, because buzz driving is drunk driving. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. All righty, folks. I am back. We're good. Everything's kosher here. Um, just wanted to make sure everything was recording properly, and it is. But um, you know what's very more proper is this play from Al, um, not Alex Rodriguez, what I'm talking about. Derek Jeter making the best play I think a shortstop has ever made. Here it is. Doesn't have a stolen base the entire season, so you're not going to run. You're not going to hit and run. you got to wait for a gapper. That is fair down the right field line. Giambi on his way to third, and they're going to wave him around. The throw misses a cutoff, man. Shot into the plate. Out of the plate. Derek Jeter with one of the most unbelievable plays you will ever see by a shortstop. Both cutoff men were missed. Jeter coming down the line, fielded with his bare hand, a shovel to Posada. And Giambi is out. I I will guarantee you that any shortstop watching that play literally took notes. Like in the right field, you met, you got the cutoff man from second base, the cutoff man from first base. 
So what happens is that's a, that's a line drive to right field, down the line, getting to the wall, and then at first base, the first baseman is in position to catch a ball that could be thrown to him, but then the second baseman is also going towards the right field line, so they got two cutoff men, but the right fielder misses those two cutoff men, so what Derek Jeter does all the way from shortstop, all the way from shortstop, runs in, gathers the ball in time to flip it, literally, bare hand, flips it to the catcher, to nab Giambi at the plate in time to make the out. Um, that is the most insane plays I've ever seen from a shortstop. It's insane from the from the matter of smart play, um, timing, positioning, and uh, aggressiveness. I mean, you can't write that. You cannot, like, in a playoff game? I've never seen that happen in a regular season game. That's insane. So that's definitely in my top five, for sure. For sure. Already, I got another one. Uh, um, I, I definitely went pro Yankees there, but I'm definitely gonna be anti Yankee for this next one. This is actually the most one of the more recent ones uh, that I have uh, done. Um, so I'm gonna wait for this ad to pass, um, and then we'll play it. But this is from 2013. No, this is actually the wrong one. What am I doing? Um, huh, I must have mixed up my links here. Uh oh. Um, here, I'll look it up on YouTube. Uh, but this was from a game that I, I, I thought that, wait, am I correct? Or if this, here, I am very baffled right now, and it is ridiculous. Um, yeah, it's against the Yankees, uh, and it was the Astros walking off against them. Um, walk off against... Yankees. Literally, last night's game could be in my top 10 because I already played it. Um, yeah, this is from a year ago. I just want to make sure I'm correct. Uh, Alright, Correa, Carlos Correa did it again. Also, if you think about it, um, from yesterday's ball game, it was the first time since 2003 when David Ortiz, or 2004, mind you, when uh, the, the Red Sox made their infamous 3-0 comeback. Game 4, David Ortiz had a home run uh, to walk off against the Yankees. The last time that happened before last night, uh, walk-off home run was hit against the Yankees in the postseason. But a couple years ago, Correa hit a walk-off single uh, against the Yankees. Um, and I'm trying to find the actual audio here so that I stand corrected. I'm sifting through uh, a 10-minute video of it. Um, yeah, here, I found it. Let's hear it. This is Carlos Correa against... This is what made the list. This is against Araldis Chapman. Out of all pitchers, a 100-mile-per-hour-plus fireballer. Let this hit happen. This is Carlos Correa. So that was Carlos Correa again <laughs> a couple years ago. That was uh, game two, just like game two last night. Isn't that insane? The last time, uh, and also it was opposite field. It was an opposite field double, and now in game two yesterday, an opposite field home run. Isn't that insane? That's top four worthy for me. That is insane that it has happened. Um, so a lot of history was made last night um, with that 
Yankees and Astros game. Um, some good stuff right there. I'm very happy to have had put that on my list. Uh, this is a hard list to make. Uh, I'm not going to lie, but that was definitely worthy of such. All right, top three, guys. I got seven minutes to do it. So you guys know um, I'm, I'm queuing up my last one. Um, I'm trying to reach my number three here. This is also a defensive gem if you talk about pitching. This is my favorite pitching moment in basically ever. Um, and to now inducted Hall of Famer Roy Holiday, this is a tribute to him. He threw a no-hitter in 2010. On October 6, 2010, he threw a no-hitter uh, against the Reds. This is him finishing it off. Take a listen. Holiday is one strike away. The 0-2. A bouncer. Ruiz. In time! Roy Holiday has thrown a no-hitter! That is my number three on the list for favorite top postseason moments. In the 2010 NLDS, game one. Mind you, game one, setting the tone for the rest of the series. But, of course, in 2010, um, that was in favor of the San Francisco Giants, who won that World Series. Alrighty, let's move to number two, shall we? Um, so this, uh, number two and number one was uh, definitely of great, like... They were very close with each other. Like number two and number one were like, I I, I had so I I had to spend ten minutes thinking about which one's my favorite because each one is special to me in different ways. Um, but I'll share both of them and explain both of them in those special ways in that regard. Um, but I got two of them queued up, so we'll have to go through this quickly. Got five minutes, so let's do it. All right, so this is in 2013. Um, my, I don't know if anyone uh, knows, but my second favorite team in the MLB is that of the Boston Red Sox. Um, they've been my favorite team since they came back. My second favorite team since they came back from the Yankees in 2004 in that 3-0. I've already mentioned it. Um, this is David Ortiz. Um, bases loaded, losing 5-1, bottom eight, two-strike count. And uh, David Ortiz against D uh, Benoit, who he's never homered against in his career until now. I, I will admit that when this Grand Slam was hit, because I was anticipating it, because, of course, Big Poppy is, the I would say, the most clutch hitter in all postseason history. That's my hot take. But I will say that um, this, this, this moment made me tear up a bit. This moment got me emotional because of how great it was. You know, 10 years later, after he's hit, already has hit postseason clutch home runs, he comes up with this Grand Slam while Detroit's already leading the series one nothing, imagine if Detroit had to to be up two nothing against the Boston Red Sox, who indeed won that year the World Series. What if David Ortiz didn't hit that grand slam? Would they have had gone through to the World Series, or would have had been the Detroit Tigers? That is a history changing moment right there. That is why that is on this list, and that's why I got emotional when I was watching it because 
Um, it was so exciting to see a clutch hitter come up in that clutch spot as, ex- you know, beyond like even expecting it beyond expecting what he did. It was so heroic uh, what he did. And my number one is also a grand slam, and I was present for it. I was sitting rooftop for game one of the 2016 NLCS uh, between the Los Angeles Dodgers and Chicago Cubs. It was 3-3 at the time, a two-strike count. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, Cubs fans, enjoy this one. Here comes the 0-2. So I was, hit, I was sitting in the left field rooftop while this happening, and I was looking up onto the uh, Wrigley Field, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, oh boy, was that ever the loudest I've ever heard Wrigley Field in my life, and I think that will still stand as the loudest I think Wrigley Field has heard, of course, when the Cubs made it to the World Series um, off that double play uh, in Game 6, and the Cubs won, of course. That was a very loud moment. But being there and seeing that live and experiencing that made me make that my number one in the list. Experiencing, excuse me, history right up in front and seeing what happened and being a part of it. It was so emotional. It was just everything, all the emotions, all the feels was in that moment when Miguel Montero hit that grand slam. It was everything to me. Um, at that moment. And that's why I say, I mean, all bias aside, I know you might guys think, oh, it's a Cubs moment at number one. Oh, no, it was, of course, a Cubs fan. Why would you put it at number one? It's number one because I experienced it. I experienced it so well that I was so emotionally attached to it. How, how can it not be my number one? So that's that. That is my top 10 best MLB postseason moments of all time. And I cannot be any more... Uh, passionate about that list because uh, it means a lot. But uh, there's more lists coming up for top 10 and many, many, many more 90-minute MMST programs to come. This is the first solo Monday Mass Sports Talk show and Sports Talk show I've ever done in my life, and I would consider it beyond successful. I had a great time with you guys today on the streamways of RadioDePaulSports.com and, of course, the Radio DePaul app. Download the Radio DePaul app on your smartphone today iOS and Android, the Radio DePaul app. You can listen to me live every single Monday from 11 to 12.30 right here, Radio DePaul Sports. And every Thursday night, which I'm looking forward to this Thursday night, from 11 to uh, midnight, 11 to midnight on radio.depaul.edu. And, of course, the Radio DePaul app, which you should download. Um, We'll be playing some good EDM music. I already curated a playlist for uh, Thursday night, so I'm looking forward to it. And uh, looking forward to always next week's Monday Mass Sports Talk, which I will see you then. Thank you all to who listened today, and this will be up on Spotify, Anchor FM uh, soon. So stick around for that link, and I'll see you next week. Broadcasting live from our new state-of-the-art studio in downtown Chicago, it's Radio DePaul Sports, the student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons.